0: Welcome to the Ego Sumvia Podcast with me, Father Andrew Eburn. And I invite you to begin by joining with me in prayer. This is a beautiful prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant us, O Lord our God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, I am currently in self-isolation, under the new guidelines for coronavirus. Nothing really to be concerned about, just a nagging cough. But I'm following the guidelines, so I uh, will not be out and about in public for a while. So keep me in your prayers, and I'll keep you in mine. Uh, to be honest, uh, I'd been thinking about recording a podcast for quite some time, but right now does seem the obvious opportunity. And I guess that's a good point to, to start with. Every difficulty... Every crisis is always also an opportunity for the Lord and for us collaborating with him. And that's not in any way to dismiss what people are experiencing and suffering right now, but just to hold fast to that great Christian truth that the cross is always a means of grace. So remember what St. Rose of Lima says, that the cross is always a ladder to heaven. So for all of us right now, Whatever we're suffering, there is something right now that you and I can do that will bring us closer to the Lord. My little cross, my tiny, absolutely tiny cross, is this week of solitude. and So I'm offering it for all those who are struggling in any way in the current situation. I'm going to speak about the coronavirus in my homily later on, but for now I'm going to talk about something completely different really completely different, uh, because people need a break, people don't need to talk about this all day long. So I'm going to share with you something completely different. I'm going to share with you something of my vocation story. Now I have to say, uh, I I do do this a little bit reluctantly, uh, and I guess I think there's two reasons for that. One is that uh, by nature, I am quite a private person, so uh, all this doesn't come uh, really entirely naturally to me. And the other reason, I guess, is that uh, one of the, how should we say this, one of the slight dangers of modern priestly life is the tendency for the priest, particularly in the liturgy, but elsewhere as well, to take center stage, to become the center of attention. Uh, And now this isn't a criticism of anyone or anything in particular. It's just an observation that the priest has to avoid. Um, You know, uh, the priest should be transparent. The priest should be transparent. The priest should be a means of encountering Jesus Christ. So we kind of need to get the personality out of the way. But having said all that, uh, uh, something for you that isn't all about coronavirus. uh, And this is something I've noticed People like to hear vocation stories. People seem always to like hearing these. So uh, a little bit of my own vocation story, and perhaps in future weeks I'll add to it. So I was uh, brought up an Anglican, in a little village in Suffolk, went to church there, uh, sang in the church choir as a boy, uh, but left. I stopped to go to church as a teenager. I left altogether, and then just led you know, pretty much a, secular, liberal life. Uh, and then in my first career, I was an academic. I was lecturing at uh, University of Oxford. And so this would have been, oh, I don't know, my mid-20s. And I, I had to give a class to some students on Victorian literature. And I realised then, uh, from what they were studying, that they could not understand it, if they did not also understand at least the basics of christianity so conscientiously i tried to explain this uh, not that i was uh, living it mind in any way or ascribed to it but but just you know just as an academic exercise okay and it didn't really go very well not at all it didn't go well at all i remember there was a poem we were studying that reference the gospel of john so i thought okay I better read this out, this bit of the Gospel. And it was the passage right at the end of the Gospel of John when Jesus appears to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee and Peter says, he cries out, it's the Lord and leaps into the sea. This wonderful moment of impetuous faith and devotion and and sorrow too because of course he had denied him. And anyway, I was reading this out and the class who were, you know, bless them, they were already a little bit restive with all this Christianity stuff. The class got the giggles. And you know how it is. Uh, It started with one lad who just couldn't quite help himself and then the whole class joined in and suddenly they were all just tittering, tittering merrily. And I was a bit annoyed by this. I was. I was a bit, I was a bit indignant indignant, you know, on behalf, I don't know, on behalf of the Christian tradition, if you like. Um, But afterwards, afterwards I reflected, and I thought to myself after class, I thought, why does it matter? Why does it matter to you? You don't follow this stuff. You're not invested in it. Why does it matter? What are you so bothered about? And I realised that there was something that I needed to address in all this. So, I did what I always did as an academic uh, when I had, you know, some questions to investigate. I read a book. I read a book, and the book I chose was the New Testament. And I read it from cover to cover, just to see, to see what it was that was bothering me. What was it? But nothing. Nothing. Nada. Not a thing. And then I realized, I had to think about it, I realized, okay. So maybe I was reading it the wrong way. I was reading it as as an academic, as a scholar, uh, with all the critical apparatus that I had developed for analysing texts. I was reading with the head, and I realised that I needed to try something that I hadn't done really much of, which is to read not with the head, but with The heart, And this was a big ask for me. I mean, it took me years, years after I left university actually to read a book like a human being. And if you study literature at university, you will recognize something there, I'm sure. So anyway, I started again with the New Testament and I tried to read it, not from the head, but from the heart. To read it from the heart. I read the New Testament from the very beginning to the very end, reading with the heart. And at the very end, the book of the Apocalypse, last book of the Bible, Christ speaks to the Church of Laodicea. Listen. I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And I thought, darn it, darn it, he's knocking at my door. And I realised, It wasn't something that was bothering me, it was someone. It was Jesus Christ, and I was going to have to respond. So, I started going back to church, and and, uh, I started reading the Bible, I started my prayer life, and that was the beginning of a very long journey that eventually led to priesthood as a Catholic. What I also realised, looking back, is that when you first open the door to Christ, You kid yourself that you're somehow still in control. That you can somehow respond to him wholeheartedly and at the very same time remain in control. That you can keep hold of the door and you can decide just how far to let it open, just as far as it suits you. But it doesn't work that way. Once you open the door, he just pushes, my goodness me, he doesn't let up and so part of the journey of vocation is is this is learning to let go of the door learning to let him take control you know you know he's not going to hurt you now giving up your plans your beautifully crafted convenient plans now that can hurt but that's not his fault and your own plans really will not make you happy anyway so letting go of the door Jumping into the sea like Peter, which takes courage for sure, but which is a beautiful freedom and has a beautiful reward. Okay, and maybe in future weeks I'll share a little bit more of that vocation story with you. As promised, here's my homily for this Sunday just passed, and in future weeks I'll continue to put these online for those who cannot get to church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. One of the reasons the early church spread and successfully evangelised was because of the personal example of ordinary Christians how ordinary Christians lived and prayed in everyday life, but also in terms of crisis. Now, the perennial crisis in those times, and we're talking about the Church of the 1st centuries, the Roman Empire in the 2nd and 3rd and 4th centuries, one of the perennial crises was plague, the spread of deadly disease. And the famous phrase applied to Christians in times of plague was See how these Christians love one another. See how they love. The Emperor Julian, the last pagan emperor, was infuriated by the loving behaviour of Christians during the plague. He said they not only look after their own poor, they look after our poor as well, i.e. the pagan poor. So what does our faith teach us in times such as these? Times of public health emergency when we're dealing with not a plague, of course, but the coronavirus. Well, firstly, do not be afraid. The words, do not be afraid, are spoken to us by the Lord in the Bible more than 100 times. It's one of the commonest phrases in the Bible. And now is the time to rest on that promise and to live it out. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for yourselves. Do not be afraid for your loved ones. God is on our side. Remember what the psalm says. The Lord is my light and my help. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart would not fear. Though war break out against me, even then would I trust. So do not be afraid. But more specifically, do not panic. Panic is from the devil. The devil works on us indirectly as well as directly. He loves to unsettle people. He loves to shake their faith. He loves to make them nervous and uneasy. The devil is at work when the disciples panic during the storm, for example, even though the Lord is with them in the boat. And then, of course, as I'm sure you remember, he wakes up, and he rebukes the storm, and then he rebukes the disciples. Why were you afraid? Do you not trust? So let's try not to give Jesus occasion to say the same thing to us. Do not be afraid. Do not panic. Now be prudent. Prudent is a great Catholic virtue. Be prudent for sure, but do not panic or be afraid. And then the second thing is caring for the sick, and especially for the poor. Remember how the pagan Emperor Julian was astonished that the Christians during the plague not only cared for their own sick, they cared for pagans too. Now again, in this we need to be prudent, and I'm not suggesting anything that contradicts the official guidelines. But we should not forget that Christ teaches how the good Samaritan cares for the wounded man at his own cost. So make sure other people are okay again the trouble with panic is that it makes people utterly blind to the needs of others and so we have panic buying in the shops etc make sure other people are okay make sure other people have what they need make care for other people a living priority and that will become part of our witness as christians right now and then thirdly and this is perhaps the most important thing we do And the greatest gift we can give? Pray. Pray for yourselves and for your families. Pray for others, for the sick, for health care workers, for those whose livelihoods are threatened, and for the souls of those who have died. Always pray. Pray the rosary, especially asking for the protection of Our Lady of Lords. You could offer five decades for precisely those intentions, for the sick, for health care workers, For those whose livelihoods are threatened, for those who have died, and then for your families and for yourselves. It looks like we are coming now to the time when Mass will no longer be celebrated publicly. And yet again, do not worry. Mass will still be said. Nothing stops the Mass. The Mass will be said every day for the church and the world without fail. If you cannot be physically present, make a spiritual communion. At the hour of mass, say the confitio, the I confess, read the readings, pray the Our Father and the Lamb of God, and make an act of spiritual communion. Uh, there's actually the words of that on the University Chaplaincy Facebook page if you need a copy. And remember that when you do all this, you do it in union with the Holy Church throughout the world. Because whatever you face in the next few weeks, you do not face it alone. You face it with Jesus, with Our Lady, and with the entire Holy Church. And that's why we must continue to look out for each other every day, to pray for each other every day, and to make an act of spiritual communion at every Mass you would have attended. More if you've got time. But above all, trust in the Lord. Remember Jesus' words to his disciples on the eve of the crucifixion. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. Still, we cannot repeat this uh, too often, and remember also the words of our only holy woman here in uh, our own holy woman here in Norwich, Julian of Norwich. The words that Julian of Norwich heard Jesus speak to her. He did not say you will not encounter storms. He did not say you will not be travailed or wearied. He did not say you will not be discomforted. He did say. You will not be overcome. May Our Lady watch over you and protect you and your families. And may God be with you all. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we come to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for being with me. Do get in touch with any comments or questions you have and do join me again in a week or so. Let's end as we should always do with the prayer of our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.